And we are back on this Wednesday with vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Dr. Gorfinkel, I want to talk about pediatric vaccines for a moment here because the CDC in the States, they have given approval to the Pfizer pediatric vaccine for those kids ages 5 through 11. We're hearing vaccination could start as soon as pretty much right now, uh, immediately uh, and sometime uh, later this uh, week. How important is this step in the fight against uh, COVID and the pandemic? This is super exciting. So if you look at kids 5 to 11, they form just under 10% of our population. So can we get to that herd immunity without vaccinating them? Answer, no. Do they transmit disease to their family members when they get it at school? Answer, almost 100% yes. All family members who are vulnerable. So it's, it's a concern. That's from data out of Australia, by the way. So they are critical that we get them vaccinated. It's super exciting news that Health Canada, as we speak, it's had the data, Pfizer's data, Pfizer's application sitting on their desk for the past two weeks. And until Health Canada gives its magic go-ahead, not one 5 to 11-year-old in Canada will be vaccinated. So do you expect Health Canada to greenlight this as shortly with uh, the news out of the states that the CDC has done so? Well, that is the expectation right now. You know, we've read that Ottawa is preparing its rollout. Toronto's preparing its rollout. BC is preparing. A lot of the provinces are now preparing with the full expectation that Health Canada will give its approval. But there are a couple of steps. So Health Canada does its own independent review. And if and when Health Canada approves it, it still has to go to NACI, the National Advisory Committee on Immunizations, and they will draft their guideline. And then it's up to the provinces and territories to decide exactly how that rollout would work for five to 11 year old kids. How should that rollout uh, roll out, if you will, or, or go? I know there's been a lot of conjecture and a lot of talk about this. Does it make the most sense just to bring it to the kids, uh, have immunization clinics in schools? Well, I think that's what makes the most sense. We have to do everything we can to take down the barriers to vaccination. So, you know, for, for the majority of working parents, what are they going to do? Take the kid off of school, get the kid to go to their doctor's office who doesn't even have the vaccine. It's a whole thing. So, yes, the way I believe we should do it is take it right to schools, ideally make it an opt out rather than an opt in. But that's fraught with all kinds of questions around it. We look at that Angus Reid poll that just came out a few weeks ago. You know, how many parents do you estimate, Jeff, personally, are vaccine hesitant? Well, you know, this is a great question, right? Because vaccine hesitancy extends not only to the adults, but uh, also for their kids as well. And I was going to ask you that very question, Dr. Gorfinkel. Uh, do the benefits, do they outweigh the uh, risks? Obviously, a lot of adults have taken that into account. And now that question maybe looms even larger for those that are parents. Yeah, the, the benefits are massive. First of all, we're preventing kids from getting the disease. And the disease is not a benign disease. The kids can wind up with long COVID. It is not the majority who do, but it is enough of them that wind up having long-term headaches, fevers, muscle aches, problems with brain fog, that that deserves attention. It keeps schools open. It decreases spread and transmissibility, and it protects people at home who have waning immunity. 
So every case, we've said this before, but every single case is another opportunity for that virus to mutate yet again and form either a deadlier strain or one that can better escape our vaccines. So it is critical to vaccinate this population. Joined by vaccine researcher and family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Uh, Dr. Gorfinkel, I want to go back, if we can, just a second to Dr. Moore's press conference, which we aired here on Global News Radio just about half an hour ago. And one thing that really struck me was he said that the virus will become an annual winter virus. And he also went on to say that there's just no escaping it, that uh, you will likely come in contact with it uh, uh, eventually. So, you know, I guess my question is, do, do we have to accept that? There's also been obviously a lot of talk about zero COVID. Can you get there? Is that even possible? Is that a, a real thing? But uh, are we at the point now, as Dr. Moore suggests, that uh, this is just something that's uh, going to be with us? I think that's a realistic perspective. It, it's hard to, to say otherwise, because this, this virus has been so humbling from beginning to end. So now that the world has exceeded 5 million deaths, and even though our numbers are low, we saw the low numbers in Israel, and what happened? The numbers just bounced right back up. We saw low numbers before in other provinces, and we saw them you know, balloon again as soon as the defenses were put down. So the mitigation piece is hugely important. You know, So as we reduce our defenses against us, as we take them down, whether they're vaccine passports, you know, hand washing, social distancing, we have to make sure to do it one by one and very carefully leaving a couple of weeks in between because boy, can this virus come back with a vengeance. And it has many times. I think it's gonna be a part of the permanent background. Even the best vaccines we have are not going to totally rid the world of this virus. So if there is no escaping the virus, if it's going to be an annual thing, an annual winter virus, and by the way, why did he say, do you think, an annual winter virus? Is that because of the cold temperatures and the fact that we're more indoors that it poses more of a threat uh, each and every winter then? Yeah, for the same reason that other cold viruses, respiratory viruses, influenza viruses, they generally pop up more in the winter time. And that congregation piece, keeping the doors closed, the windows closed, you know, not, not having that air circulation, people being outdoor far less, taking their time, you know, with their recreational time in malls and restaurants. And I think it's that whole picture. Plus the fact that the virus does in fact like cold a little better. It, it actually does replicate a little better in the cold. So for all of those reasons, I believe this virus is here to stay. I mean, will it be waning up and down different years, different? Yes, but I think it's, it, we can take it as a given that it's going to be part of our background. Okay, should we take it as a given that face masks will always be part of our lives then? Just wondering, because if there is no escaping this, if it's an annual winter virus, uh, just how important is that going to be moving forward? There's reports out of uh, Quebec uh, yesterday and today that they are removing requirements for high school students, no longer have to be masked in the uh, classroom. And as you just referenced a moment ago, you know, you don't want to move too quick on some of these uh, things. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, the COVID count and the hospitalizations uh, go up. So are face masks, are they here to stay, do you think? I do think face masks are going to be here, at least in some way, to stay. I think this pandemic has changed the very thread of how Canada thinks about face masks. And I think that's a tremendous change for the positive. You know, you can find face masks of all kinds, of all sorts of fashions and everything else. It's actually become part of the Canadian culture. You can find ones with Canadian masks. 
you know, who would have thought that possible three years ago? And I think it's a tremendously civilized thing to do. I've always admired Asians for doing this. And I think that now that it's come to Canada, I certainly hope that it becomes a permanent part of our background. I care about you. You care about me. What can what can be wrong with that picture? Just finally, I wanted to ask you, uh, and this is a question we posed uh, last week. Uh, do we know and how will we know when this pandemic eventually becomes an endemic? And will it be an endemic just because of what we've been discussing, that this is going to be an annual uh, winter virus? Well, it's going to take the case numbers staying low for a long period of time. It's going to take a lot more Canadians still getting vaccinated. It's, it's, it's going to take a whole bunch of things for that to happen. But it will eventually go and become an endemic. So by endemic, that's just to say that the case numbers are down. But worldwide, we can't say the same thing. You know, still a very tiny percentage of those in low-income countries have received the vaccine. NASI went to great lengths, by the way, to, to, to say that they are taking that into consideration. But Canada, as we know, is one of the most seriously over-vaccinated, over-purchased vaccine countries worldwide. We have way more. We have enough vaccine supply to vaccinate every single Canadian six times over. Six times. And meanwhile, you know, low-income countries are struggling and every case there, as I say, it's another chance for that virus to mutate. It's another reason why Dr. Kieran says that virus is here to stay and for good. All right. Dr. Gore Finkel, appreciate your time as always on this uh, Wednesday. Thanks so much. Look forward to speaking again next Wednesday. Many thanks, Jeff. There's vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.